Welcome to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I'm Laurel Holland, and you'll be joining me with my co-hosts and guests as we dive into how doing your inner work, or the beautiful work, is the amazingly effective pathway to creating the life of your dreams. We hope you discover your passions, your purpose, and your fulfillment. Because when you change, the world changes. And when you do your inner work, or the beautiful work, you make the world a more beautiful place for all of us. Welcome back to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, and I'm so excited today I get to introduce you to a new guest and an old friend of mine, Rachel Douglas from the Inner Work Center in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome, Rachel. I'm so glad you came to spend some time with me here on Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the invitation. I would never pass up an opportunity to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so Rachel and I met... um, Probably, Rachel, I don't know how many years ago. Do you know how many years ago it is? It feels like It was like about a long seven, time. eight years ago. That's what I was guessing this morning when I was thinking about it. I couldn't get a date in my head, a year in my head, but it's been quite a while. But Rachel was just starting her role as the executive director at the Inner Work Center. And so you've been on quite a journey these last seven or eight years, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I really, and that's why I accepted the position. I knew that I had a lot to give this like very burgeoning startup organization. And I knew from my very limited experience with them that they had a lot to give to me, a lot to teach me. And they have. It has. Yeah, it's been a very uh, mutual and, and, and both ends receiving and giving a lot, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So beautiful. And the Inner Work Center has been around for quite some time, but I feel like when you came into the experience, they were really wanting to become a a more established, accessible organization in Richmond, Virginia. And you've really done that, Rachel. So bravo to you. Well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's been the joy of my life. I mean, the honor of my life. Yeah, Yeah. I... um, I was really amazed with this organization that had been run solely by volunteers for so long, um, which is very rare to find in the nonprofit sector. And at the same time, they were looking to become a more wide reaching, high impact nonprofit organization. In fact, when they decided to hire staff, this Pew Research had just been released that um, shared something like 30% of adults were now identifying as spiritual, but not religious. Mm -hmm. And that segment was that those were sort of our people, even though, you know, inner work is something that is completely adjacent to any religious practice. It can also stand on its own without any religious practice. And so you know, those people were growing and they were looking for ways to cultivate a meaningful life um, that didn't require them going to a, a house of worship or subscribing to a certain set, a certain parent, you know, yeah. set of guidelines. Yeah. Um, and so with that data, we were like, this is this is really our time. It is. <laughs> it so is. Yeah, I was yeah. lucky, um, you know, it was it was really a sense of burnout on behalf of the volunteers that had been running the organization for so long that they were like, this, 
you know, our target market is growing. This organization deserves to have a staff driving it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah we've been uh, <laughs> growing, growing and yeah. growing. Right. And, and also like, I feel like you gave it a new foundation too, like to grow from, right? It needed that established, again, staff and a kind of a consistent uh, uh, programming uh, business. You know, it had to become a, a, like a business, you know, nonprofit business, right? To a certain extent. So yeah, yes. that's, that's so it's, and, and I do believe the timing was so beautiful. So I know on my journey, you know, my, my journey of doing this inner work and being a part of organizations that have promoted this work and been, it's been 25 or 30 years, but I truly believe that, you know, the past decade has been the time of such blossoming. And, and also I feel like there's, there's not a stigma. Like I know when I first talked about teaching Tai Chi, people kind of look at me like, and I wasn't sure whether they really want to talk about it. They really want to know. It sounded kind of weird, you know, and now it doesn't feel that way anymore. I feel like a lot of that is past, right? I think so too. And it has come with its own challenges, funnily enough, like funny enough. So I think when I first started, even the term mindfulness, um, you know, was very edgy yes. and people yeah. did not know what it meant. There were a lot of myths around what you had to do and um, how you had to practice that. Um, and now mindfulness as a term is fairly well known, but what that means is that it comes with all kinds of misperceptions, mm -hmm. you know, about the way that we're delivering it. Yeah. So as the word sort of enters the mainstream, so do all the assumptions about what it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we come from a very like secular evidence-based space um, on mindfulness and, um, believe that, you know, mindfulness is just a lens through which you can view life. Um, it's every minute of every hour of every day. Um, and practice is how you get good at showing up every minute of every hour of every day. And how, um, and how it becomes a transformative practice in your life, right. By actually doing it and engaging it. And the more yeah. regularly you do it, the more transformative it is. Don't you think? Absolutely. Dose dependent. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Rachel, we haven't on, on this will be the first time on the podcast that I think we've, we've talked, we haven't gotten into like any real depth on mindfulness. So okay. tell, I know that you, your journey is really connected. You've done a lot more mindfulness work as you've stayed with the center. So why don't you give us, give our, our listeners just a little bit of a sense of what is mindfulness? How does it transform your life? You know, and how yeah. can you start to engage it right now? Ooh, I would love to. That is my favorite thing is actually how you can engage it right now. Yeah. So I'll start with sort of the big picture, right? Which is inner work. Inner work is that deep introspection that gives you clarity about what matters most to you in your life. And it is so incredibly varied. Yeah. Um, and so starting from there, there's a million ways that you can engage in inner work and start making your life more meaningful. We kind of categorize it as, um, you know, inspiring curiosity, you know, getting that feeling of awe, right. Which reminds you that you're, you're, you're just a speck of the universe, right. And your problems are not that big, right. Which is really helpful for me. Right. So inspiring curiosity and, um, awakening the spirit, right. That you're part of something that's bigger than you. And when I say spirit, I don't mean any kind of religion 
you can call it God if you want to, you don't have to, you can call it the universe, whatever you can call it science, like whatever speaks to you, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. And then cultivating mindfulness. Those are sort of the buckets that we, where we view inner work. So then drilling down into cultivating mindfulness, um, mindfulness is essentially anchoring yourself in the present moment without judgment. Or another way of saying that is with kindness. Mm. And that can be really hard for people. We have this very critical inner voice. And I guess that is just, you know, like a natural thing that our brain does because it always wants to protect us. And so I know I think it's I think that's true. And I also think we cultivate that through a lot of the social grooming yeah. that gets done. And unfortunately, the opposite's not cultivated as much, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So really, um, how do you show up to this moment in your life with kindness? And that doesn't mean you don't plan for the future. You know, um, people think, well, how am I supposed to be in the present moment all the time? And that's actually not, not necessary. It's not that you don't set intentions, It's that you practice being in the present moment so that when you're swept away by your thoughts, I like, you know, we live in river city. We, we live, you know, right by the James river, which is this beautiful unbound river, um, going through Richmond for those of you who are not, um, here locally. And I love this metaphor of our thoughts are like a rushing river, right? We have so many thoughts a day. We're usually not aware of the thoughts that are happening. Um, And so mindfulness, you can think of it as a ladder to pull yourself out of those rushing thoughts and onto the banks so you can observe those thoughts, right? Then you can decide like, is that thought helpful or is it actually harmful or is it just neither, but doesn't need to be happening right now? Right. How do we make room for creativity? How do we make room for awe when we're ruminating on thoughts that we've had day after day after day, sometimes year after year, right? Um, Become habitual and not necessarily serving, you know, at the highest level for yourself. Right. And so it's an opportunity to start to clean out some of the clutter, right? Clean out some of the clutter. And from there, that's when you see the impact of having a mindfulness practice on your life, right? When you have that spaciousness, that is where your power is. And choice, the power of choice. Then yes. from there, right? Right. And that's what I call freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, just to take it into a, a personal level, one of the most powerful things that happened to me is that in that spaciousness is that I found forgiveness. I found forgiveness of for myself and I found forgiveness for people who have hurt me and letting go of all of that. It, I mean, it really is transformative. It's not hyperbole. It is really on a day-to-day basis, a lightness that I hadn't had the opportunity to experience before. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Some of the, uh, to me, that's, as we speak into what are the benefits of doing this beautiful work and doing the inner work and dedicating yourself to taking the time and your attention and 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 making it you know a devotion to yourself right to really mm-hmm. 
feel like you you're freeing yourself up of a lot of what we carry and I and that is where mindfulness you know is like that again that doorway right where you can come in and you can start to look at what you're carrying and then make the choice to put a lot of it down to make peace with old stories and old um, hurts and all that stuff right so mindfulness is such a powerful tool of um, you know a portal right to begin to do this really beautiful yes yeah and all of that choice and all of that portal lies within awareness yeah and you can't have awareness unless you observe instead of being swept away you can't have that awareness you can only have reactivity Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I know I can give an example from like in my early stages of beginning to do meditation and mindfulness practice. My children were very little. They're all grown now, but they were little. And I started to become aware because I was starting to pay attention to myself, right, and do this as a, as a part of my daily practice that I could, I could be aware that when I was multitasking with them, I was really edgy, you know, like I was uncomfortable and I, I would be short, a little short tempered or I'd be a little irritable. And I realized through the mindfulness practice, right, that, that, that dynamic was, was causing that in me. And I learned to like stop and stop multitasking and just like pay attention to my children. I was paying attention to my children. When I need to get back and cook the dinner, I get back and cook the dinner. Right. And so these are the kind of the small, but profound and life-changing alterations that we can make through the practice of daily mindfulness or daily meditation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it's not like, um, you'll automatically stop yelling at your kids, you know, when you start practicing, I mean, I have a daily practice and I still get irritated. You know, my kids yesterday were really irritating me, you know, and I was like, I cannot handle this what's happening right now. And I got to walk away. And so one of the things I love talking about actually are those sort of myths of, of mindfulness, right? So it's not going to solve all of your problems, but it will make you more aware of your reactivity. It will help you relate to those problems in a different way. Right. I always talk about like, you know, if you can't pay your rent, you can't meditate your way out of that. Right. But what that practice will do is help you relate better to those stressors in your life so that they don't make you sick. Yeah. And we know that mind body connection, right? It's uh, even if you're in the most mainstream of medicine, we're now talking about that mind body connection. There is no, you know, you know, your hands get sweaty when you're nervous. You can think of it that way if you need to, but it's so much more intricate than that. And as we learn about the vagus nerve and how intricate and thick of a nerve it is and how it goes to all, you know, from our brain to all of our systems, we know that our stressors are making us sick. Um, It also, you know, there's also so many myths of like how it has to happen. Um, For a lot of people, they can't close their eyes and sit in silence. And, And that's actually really really common, but many people think they're in that alone or there's something wrong with them or they won't be able to approach meditate a meditation practice because of that. Um, and actually you don't need to close your eyes. You can just, it is time to look inside. So you, you know, the idea is that you're not distracted by what's going on in the outside world, but just lowering your gaze to the floor is fine. Right. Or you can start with a journal, 
and be yes. starting to make notes of what you see going on in your mind, what you feel in your body, right? If you can't, again, have that, that kind of quietness that, that's cultivated over time. Because I do feel like, you know, for me, noticing, right, the, the, the desire to extend my meditation period happened over time as I learned how to settle down into myself, quiet the nervous system, all those reactive, you know, places in me started to settle. It takes a while to get there. It doesn't does. happen in a minute. It does. It's a practice. And I think people forget that that, that is another myth is that, yeah. you know, you're not good at it, right? Because you think you should just be automatically comfortable. Yeah. Or able to do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Right away. Yeah. Right. And that uh -huh. actually is not true. Right. That's we've never been taught the power of observing. We are only taught the power of doing, yeah. doing, 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 right. Being productive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you have to teach your brain, you know, how, how to do that. And that is not easy and it's not comfortable, but it is worth it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. so yeah, starting slow and working your way up or just five minutes a day really can make a profound, a profound yeah. difference in your life. So, you know, I think, I think mindfulness should meet you where you are, you know, and the practice that you'll do, the practice that will be successful is the practice that is yours. The one that fits into your life, the one that feels comfortable to you. And it's not triggering the one that and you want to do the one that you want to do. And that, and to remember that, you know, right. Impermanence, it's not always going to be this way. It's this way right now. Yeah. And that you, your practice might be different tomorrow and it might be different next year and it might be different in 10 years. Um, so yeah, this idea that you have to sit a certain way or hold your hands a certain way. I think I really want people to let go of all of that. That feels good to people and that's beautiful. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel good to you, don't worry about it. Absolutely. Don't worry you about it. Meditate sitting in a chair, you know, your comfiest chair, if that's yeah. what works for you. And again, it's all that building up. Like I even think about, um, you know, the ideal way to be sitting, right, is you're aligning your spine because there's energetic centers that line up and make connections and all these really wonderful, beautiful, energetic things happen. Well, you know what? It's really hard to sit up straight in a chair if you haven't been doing that. You have to build up muscles, you know, that allow your, your abs and your and your back muscles all have to like start getting fit to be able to just sit up straight and relax like that. Right. So yeah, 100%. <laughs> all of it, all of it is a practice, practice, practice. Yeah. But so worth the effort, you know, like I, so Rachel, can you give like a couple examples that come up for you in your life when you think about, you know, doing this beautiful work, right. Over these seven or eight years of really diving in and doing so much like specific changes, right. That you can, you attribute to the work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I could talk for the whole hour on this. <laughs> I have, it has affected my life so profoundly in so many ways. So, um, I talked about forgiveness, right. Which was a very big thing, um, that happened for me. Um, I, I learned to be aware of my inner voice, Yeah. um, yeah. which I thought was fine. It's not. Once I actually brought some awareness to that, I realized it was unnecessarily brutal. Mean, actually. mean girl. <laughs> mean, yes. Yeah. And I don't need to be that mean to myself. I wouldn't be around anybody else who brought that kind of criti criticism yeah. of me. I would say, no, that's toxic. And yet here I felt like I needed to push myself or I could do better. And that 
you know, letting go of that also meant I could let go of perfectionism. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it, it relates to also forgiving myself, but it also relates to my resilience. Mm -hmm. You know, I can overcome my obstacles better. Now I can repair, um, when I have conflict, not just with myself, but with other people, you know, and all of that is very, very interrelated. Um, so, so knowing how to soothe myself (laughs) and treat myself with the kindness that I would treat a friend, um, is huge. So all of that, I would say is under the bucket of compassion, right? And then when, when you have more compassion for yourself, you have more spaciousness to have compassion for others. And that's something that I think is a pillar of my life, you know, is, is compassion for others. So it was about time that I was able to show that for myself. Mm -hmm. And then what that meant was, you know, it's like this bill, it's like this thing that builds, right. It's like compassion for myself is more compassion for others actually. And that what my compassion for others, um, grew, um, instead of what it was doing before, which was sort of depleting me, you know, it was there, it was always a pillar of of who I am, but it depleted me. Um, and it was, it was more performative than it is authentic. Right. Well, and I think that that was because I think, you know, I know for me that I I can relate to that shift a lot because it went Mm -hmm. from being a caretaker of trying to do things and solve other people's problems to being compassionate, which is being present with an open heart, being a good listener, allowing people space to experience what they're experiencing. And that is very different than doing and caretaking that performance kind of thing that you're talking about right and we all have the capacity to sit in that space and be that field right of compassion for other people and it feels good it doesn't deplete us and that's Mm -hmm. the part that people don't really understand until you're in and practicing it that you that you feel and experience wow wow that felt really good right to be that space for somebody and allow them (laughs) Yeah, and I love, there's like so many metaphors for this that clicked when I got it, you know, like the whole, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. All of a sudden that clicked. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause I can't save other people if I'm dead. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then the whole, like, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like that all of a sudden clicked. Yeah. Oh yes. You pour from your saucer. Yeah. You don't pour from your cup. Yeah. You keep your cup overflowing. Yeah. So that you have a saucer to give. Yeah. Right. Oh, and metaphor. Love that. Love that metaphor. Everybody, did you hear that one? I hope anchor into that because that's really a beautiful mark. Keep filling your cup till it overflows, right? And you're so full of energy, love, whatever it is that you need that feels good for you. So that now it's in your in your saucer and you can just easily pour it out to others, right? And it's not depleting you. Yes. Taking away exactly. from you. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this, um, as I, as I grew in my own authenticity, um, I came across this poem and, oh my gosh, am I going to remember? It's probably Dana Falls is the, is the poet. I'll have to Google it real quick while we're chatting it and, and I'll, I'll link it in the chat for us. But okay. it's this, the poem is about this idea of becoming a deep river of stillness or a deep lake of stillness mm-hmm. for the people in your life. And as I came to know myself better, I realized that that is who I wanted to be. 
that, that was my gift. That's how I want to show up for my kids, for my partner, for my community. I want to be this deep lake of stillness where people can come and be. And that is what my, you know, my, and so then my practice just helps me live more into that authentic intent, you know, self essentially it's an, I don't know if it's an intention for myself or it already is myself or it's the me that I always wanted to be. Yeah. To be, right. Cultivating that part of you that is there, but making it very accessible to you and then to others as well. And that's part of the beautiful work too, right? The inner work is, is recognizing we have all qualities at some level. We're all, all the things inside and we get to choose what we bring forth and how we engage in the world. And, and so it's a very empowering practice, right? We get, we have the power now to take responsibility, make the choice, show up how we want to show up and cultivate those things are, are, and also it's, it's a discovery. I feel like as you continue, right, the journey. So this doesn't usually happen at the beginning, I don't think, but as you continue the journey, right, of your inner work is you are clearing away a lot of the clutter and this stuff, the baggage that you carry. And what you're doing is whittling down and finding what your gifts are and what, mm-hmm. what you feel like you came here to give and be and become in the world, right? And that doesn't That's happen at the beginning, but it happens as you keep going. Absolutely. I was an incredibly angry teen. I was very reactive, very angry. I would say my teens into my twenties. Um, Did you do the rebellious thing, Rachel? Um, in numerous ways, yeah. numerous yeah. ways, the rebellion thing, you know, I, you know, the escapist way of rebelling. It was the anger, you know, way of rebelling. It, it was, and in some ways, that was also healing to me for where I was in the moment, but that's not sustainable. Yeah. That anger burns yeah. hard and fast. Yeah. And it's toxic eventually to you, right? It's supposed to fuel you and get you to act, but if it's not doing that, it becomes a poison really. Yeah. Yes. And it's not that I don't get angry right now. I, I do get angry at injustice all the time. Yeah but it doesn't burn the way that it used to burn. I still feel like it's incredibly important to work for, you know, liberation, even like for everyone to find their freedom. And I think that inner work is like a huge, huge piece of that. I think inner work is like a, a bowl, right. That can hold all of you, or I guess people call it a container, right. That can hold all of you. Um, the, the parts that come easy and the parts that make you angry. And it's the skill of discernment that helps you know where and how to act on that. Yes. Yes. And to channel your anger in service to that, which you, you know, believe in and which are your highest values. Right. And so that's, that's the, that's why anger can be a beautiful motivator. And then also an energizer to get things done in a good way. Right. And that's really, and, and, and in our culture, we haven't done that. We have a lot of bad examples of anger. And so it's gotten a bad rap because people haven't used it well, misused it, hurt other people with it. And so it's really a misunderstood emotion, but it, it, it can be a beautiful source of activation for going forward and serving. Oh yeah. I mean, my, mine comes from love, right? So, so if I were to tell you my top three values, it would be love. Number one, um, it would be, and, and what I mean by love is understanding the interconnectedness of all of life, Mm -hmm. 
And that I think to, to love and be loved, to belong, to connect is the most important thing about this time that we have together on this planet. Like that's the most important thing, you know, I'm not going to die saying, I wish I would have bought one more thing on Amazon. Right. (laughs) When I look back on my life and I do it often, if I die today, I am really pleased with my life and the way that I love and the way that I am loved. So I just want to make a point there, Rachel, because I feel like for me, this is that what you just said was another huge benefit of doing inner work or beautiful work. And that is it becomes a trajectory that you take and you do a lot of forgiveness work, you understand yourself better and you do the reflection and you have the reflection time to say to yourself, right? If I were to die tomorrow, I'm okay. I lived a good life. I'm, you know, like you bring yourself to that place and what a beautiful thing, right? I mean, come on. Is there anything more good than that? Right. It's like, it's amazing to be able to say that about, life when especially when you're young i mean when you're doing it when you're young that means your whole life right is more goodness and more contributing at a high level and all all that good stuff that i think people really desire but they aren't even necessarily in touch with it they're desiring that because it hasn't been promoted as you know a good thing or a way to spend your life so so that's why we're here to promote the inner work right beautiful work right to let people know this is good this is good there's so many good benefits from it yeah you will never regret loving yourself and other people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I have this great sweatshirt that I love. It says love anyway. And what that means is that there are times that you're going to be crushingly disappointed in humanity. There just are going to be those times like and right love <laughs> right now, right? Love yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Love anyway. It's not By easy. Way. It takes strength and practice, but love anyway, you will never regret loving anyway. And then from that value is liberation, right? Because I love you. I want you to feel the same freedom that I do. I want you to feel the same safety that I do. And I want you to be able to make the best decisions for you and for your loved ones and for your community. And that's what liberation means to me. And then from that value. So this is my third my third value is optimism Mm. and not for the reasons that people accuse me of, right? Like I am, I am, I I am naturally like a joyful person, especially when I'm connecting with someone, um, you know, that brings me a ton of joy, but, but optimism in terms of my values is believing in our imaginations to do better. Wow. That's so great. I love that definition. Say it again, Rachel, slowly. So everybody really gets that because that's a big, a little bit of a shift, you know, for people to think about that. Yeah. So optimism is, is, um, that I believe in our imaginations to do better. Yeah. And I can expand on that too. You know, if, if you want, yeah, give, give us at least a couple sentences, because I feel like that's a really rich way to consider optimism. I think a lot of people think, Oh, just think positive thoughts and da, 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 da. And, and, and it, and yeah, it can't become those things. It is those things too. But, but it like to think about why optimism is important and why it's important to cultivate it in your life and how it can be life-changing. Like now you gave a big reason for that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think you could also use the word hope maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's some, yeah, yeah, there's some nuance there. Right. I think, With optimism, you have hope. 
right? You have hope that things can get better and you don't work towards that in your personal life. Why would you invest in that if you don't believe that things can get better? So I think everyone can agree, right? That our, that things can improve in the way that our society is right now, right? That we can improve in the way that the world is. We're in like multiple crisis crises, um, you know, and not just now, right? Like all the time. Um, and if you don't believe that it can get better, why work towards it? I know. I know. And and what a beautiful way to like open a spiritual path too, Mm -hmm. because I feel like, like that's also another portal to saying, what can I do? How can I imagine the world a different place? And what do I want to what, what like, tiny little thing do I want to contribute to make that oh, the way it is? You know, like one of the big missions of Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life is if we all do the beautiful work and have a beautiful life, the world becomes a more beautiful place to be. And I feel like that's what we're talking about, right? Is that everybody benefits now when the world is a more beautiful place. Yeah. Yes. And that exactly inner work ripples out, yeah. right? There's this misconception that it's selfish. And I, will admit that when I first started, I was under that misconception myself. I didn't, I didn't get it. And I understand why people think that it's selfish, but I have so many examples of the way that it ripples out from me, just modeling self-care for me, just modeling my own deep lake of stillness. You know, it's from, you know, my daughter at a, at a wedding, everyone's dancing. And I look over and I see her facing a corner and just eyes closed. She's overstimulated. Yeah. And she was and calming she, herself down. She yeah. calmed herself, right? She was like five years old. She went into the corner and was like, yeah. I just need, and you and right. That's exactly, that is like the most beautiful thing, right? Is you yeah. can find peace in the middle of chaos. Yes. You can a, find peace in the middle of anything. That's right. That's right. You know, that's Victor right. Frankl, I think. It. Once you find it in yourself yeah. and it's a place that you return to again and again and again, you know, it comes from here out. Right. Yeah. Yes. And what and a it's beautiful example. From, that story yeah. is like the perfect example of that. Yes, I know. I, I mean, I can't tell you the joy it gave. You know, it was so um, these tools just came to me later in life. Um, so to see my daughter and thinking about the way that this is going to save her from so much suffering, not that she doesn't suffer, she does suffer. She actually, she actually has a lot of anxiety, which, you know, we, we talk about in terms of like, you have brown hair and you have anxiety and there's no judgment on either of those things. Right. Like, but the fact that she has skills now to bring to that, um, and now she's about to turn nine and, is cultivating these great skills, you know, just by knowing that they exist in the world, by seeing me practice and the people that I bring around, you know, when they get frustrated, they can find their resilience, you know, modeling that resilience is is huge. And then I remember my, my brother um, coming to me and saying, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing? Because you have changed so much over the last 10 years. How can I do that? You know? And so those are just examples of rippling out in my own personal, you know, like circle, 
but it ripples out so much further than that because then they ripple it out. That's right. It's just exponential. Yeah, absolutely. The waves are endless. Beautiful. Infinite waves going outward. I know. Mm -hmm. So Rachel, I know you guys, I want to make sure we talk about the inner work center a little bit before we hop off. And I know that there's always great programs going on at the inner work center. Let's talk a little bit about it and share. So if you live in the Richmond area, um, you know, you have a beautiful resource right here at your very fingertips and, uh, Rachel can share a little bit, like what's, what's an example, right? What's going on right now? Yeah. Yeah. So, so right now it's March, 2022, because we know this podcast will be timeless. Um, so I'll just, (laughs) yeah, these are the programs that are happening right now. Um, and it's, you know, all aspects of inner work. It's the, you know, cultivating mindfulness. Yes. But it's also the inspiring creativity. Um, and, um, you know, that, that spirit, spiritual, spirituality and mindfulness. You've got soul collage, which looks like a beautiful, maybe vision boarding using soul work. Yeah, exactly. Where you, you put together an image and you ask your image, these, you know, the, the, facilitator guides you it's an it's she's amazing the the class is amazing and the card speaks to you right well the card doesn't speak to you you speak by using the card as a vehicle um and it's something that you wouldn't normally do in your everyday life so what's really cool about it is that you get this new perspective into your own life right all the questions come from you all the answers come from you which means that they are authentic yeah, yeah. Um, we this mindfulness-based stress reduction that is, you know, sort of the preeminent mindfulness curriculum in this country. You know, when you think about it, it's the one that's very evidence-based. It's out of UMass Medical School. Um, you know, it has been proven over and over again. So a lot of people need that to be able to take the, you know, it's it's eight Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if you're gonna give that much time to a class, you want to know this is something that's going to work. And time and time again, this is shown, um, you know, to work. Oh, God. Um, I go back to the beginning of my journey. That was 30 years ago. And John Cabot had just opened the mindfulness center. I was living in Massachusetts, so I knew all about it. Right. And and uh, that's 30 years later of collecting data, doing research, uh, moving that the whole uh, practice forward. Right. So, yeah, tons of uh, proof that this works. Yes. You know, yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll see, we have, um, the, this symbol is means that it's a zoom class. This symbol means that it's in person, which we're starting to tiptoe back into, which is just such a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, we have this yeah. amazing documentary series, um, on dementia, um, multiple types of dementia and the, this is the actual, you know, Jacqueline Pogue is like the worked with the filmmakers directly. So, um, such an amazing opportunity to be with the people that are producing the film. Um, this is, this is an, I love this example, inner workers, the culture is watching you. This is, um, a beautiful way of demonstrating how inner work intersects with everything, right? And that what we're doing with inner work is that we're creating the conditions for wisdom and compassion to exist. Mm -hmm. That's why we do the inner work, right? We're creating the conditions. And I don't know if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, 
yeah. I um, love it. You've love seen it. it. Yeah. I think everybody I know is watching it and loves it. I don't know anyone that hasn't <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, talk about this beautiful model of, of what's the opposite of male toxicity. It's like this male uh, vulnerability. It's healthy masculinity. It's really healthy, balanced masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Right. And that is also, I think that is also creating the conditions for wisdom and compassion to exist. But I also think it exists because people doing their inner work and you know, yeah. so it's sort of this cycle, right? Is that you create these conditions to exist within people. And then this is what comes out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at the inner work center, we see there's lots of one-time, uh, one-time workshop kind of programs. There's ongoing mm-hmm. series. There's introduction to Qigong, which is a multiple series. The mindfulness yeah. is a multiple series. We always have a keynote uh, speaker yeah. come in, right? Every time. So we've got somebody coming in talking about transforming trauma right so there's so many and oh my gosh primordial sound meditation i love sound meditation don't you rachel i i'm so excited for this program oh gosh amazing amazing yeah go to that workshop everybody right (laughs) and then just this idea of using poetry to heal and find your light i i think that artists poets you know visual artists writers they sing out when we don't have the words and it's this art that makes us not just know, but feel. Um, so I think, you know, using poetry that inspire for me, what that does is it inspires awe and I need awe in my life to remember that I am just a small, small piece of this vast universe, multiverse, you know, existence. Um, and, uh, and that is a beautiful thing. I don't need to take myself so seriously. In fact, I, know, I can laugh I at know. myself. Yeah. I started writing poetry. <laughs> I'm going to be publishing a poetry book this, this year is my. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Really, poetry has changed my life and, and the writing of it has been an amazing journey and really, really beautiful aspect of, again, connecting at a very deep level within it's, it's lovely. Yeah. 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 I write poems too. Um, and I've never shared them anywhere and I don't know that I need to, I, I, um, but I have to get them out. Yeah. I have to, I just have to get them out. And so they're all there. None of them are in a state of anywhere being finished. They're just, um, but they like spring forth. (laughs) Yep. Beautiful. That's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe one day I'll be brave enough to share them. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, staying present in challenging times. So that's another thing that we try really hard to do is be, um, urgent and relevant, mm-hmm. um, to the moment, you yeah. know, so there's a lot in here on healing. Yeah. Um, yeah. right. So again, this is March, 2021. We're recording. It's you, this will be coming out probably April of May of this year. And, um, you know, having gone through the two years of COVID and now yes. you know, the upheaval in Ukraine and Russia and all yeah. the political, you know, craziness that's gone on and pain that everybody's experienced through the political world, you know, we have a lot of grief and trauma work to be doing in the world right now, for sure. Yeah. 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 So that's just a little, so Beautiful. this is just innerworkcenter.org slash programs. Yeah. Um, but even if you just go to our main webpage, 
you know, we will walk you through it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Easy, beautiful, uh, new website to navigate through all the offerings there and offerings are updated, uh, twice, three times a year. How many schedule? Uh, we're doing it four times a year now. Four times a year, four times a year. Yeah. So, so, uh, seasonal programming. Yeah. So you can look and again, you know, a variety of things. So you've got uh, one-time workshops, you've got speaking events and you've got series going on. And, um, and if you're in the Richmond area, it's a beautiful way. If you know, if you find that you want to explore um, some of the inner work and some of the the topics of inner work, it's a great way to start to um, develop a little bit of community. Because I know when I talk about inner work, I, I always feel like you know one of the one of the most I think one of the most important things to help you succeed and feel like you're supported in your inner work is to have a community. So. Like I know for me, you know, I was the person that kind of left my family of origin to go out and do some inner work and I couldn't go back and have the kind of conversations that I wanted to have with my family of origin for many years. It took a long time to be in other communities doing the work, finding my voice, doing some mm -hmm. healing before I could go back and have the kind of conversation I want to have with family of origin. So, you know, we need a community to, to yeah. do this work. It's very important. And the inner work center provides a beautiful community and so many opportunities for that work to get done. So exactly. Rachel, thank you for your contribution to the inner work center and all the beautiful work that you've done to make your life beautiful oh. and ripple it out there more and more and more. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Laurel. Back yeah. at you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast with me. Maybe you'll come back and do it again. I feel like we could, we could probably yeah. talk, you know, regularly. Right. And do I know different topics a little bit here and there. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Well, what a pleasure right. it was. All right. We'll come back <laughs> again and, and uh, we'll, and so anybody who has any questions, on the inner work center you can reach out to them all the contact information is here in the podcast in the notes and all that good stuff so you have all the contact that you need to to connect with them and i hope you'll go over there and check things out yeah thank you rachel thanks for your time today. thanks Laura. loved it bye. back again okay <laughs> bye for now thank you for joining us here at beautiful work beautiful life the podcast we welcome questions from you, our listeners. Feel free to send one along. If you enjoyed the podcast, the best compliment we receive is when you share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for being with us to elevate the conversation and open up new pathways for all of us.